It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I'm so excited about this topic today. It's one I've touched on before, but I'm excited to go into a little bit more detail with it. And that is this so called pink recession. It's also been called a she session if you will, uh, both terms describing this phenomenon that is happening, which is that women are leaving the workforce, and I'll say by choice, although it doesn't always feel like a choice, in astronomical numbers because of the pandemic. And uh, when I follow me on these numbers, because these numbers just blow my mind, 2.2 million women have left the workforce since the pandemic began. In September alone, 1 million people left the workforce. 865,000 of those were women. And that's four times the rate of men. So I want to dive into this as to why, what's going on here, and how Utah is impacted too. Joining me now, the director of the Utah Women and Leadership Project at the John M. Huntsman School of Business, Susan Madsen is my first guest. Susan, thank you for joining me today. Great to be here. Okay, so if anyone can walk us through this, it's you. I'll also bring in Emily Bell McCormick of the Policy Project, and she's working on policy here in the state of Utah uh, that uh, can help kind of address some of this issue. So, Susan, just start me off. What, what is this disparity going on where women are leaving the workforce? It's so fascinating, and you actually use the word uh, by choice, but I would push back a little bit on that because we know uh, across the country, and we know this for sure about Utah, is that uh, many women are in the service industry and some of those frontline positions that were for a time and some again now really shut down. So, you know, hotels and, and food services, and so many of those women did not have a choice. And um, as you know, we have uh, many women who who are less educated in some ways in the state that really just work in those service industries, which are important industries. So I wanted to mention that. And in terms of the other ones, oh, my gosh, it's really remarkable. And we can see I wish we had, Lindsay, the data specifically for Utah. And we're working on that at the Utah Women and Leadership Project. We're going to be launching a big study on COVID-19 and the long term and short term effects on women in the workplace in Utah. But as you know, in the state of Utah, we do have families with more children, right? And so the, the impact of childcare and, and having childcare shut down, that impact of homeschooling is huge in the state of Utah. Um, and we do have a lot of people, Lindsay, think that, that we don't have as many women working in the state of Utah. But our report and other reports um, actually say we have more women who work for pay in the state of Utah than around the nation. We do have more women working part time, but we still have so many women who work full time. So when you take and, and many women work full time who have children who are still living at home and even if they're teenagers or or eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 
um, they don't typically do homeschooling by themselves. So there's all kinds of responsibilities. And, and, you know, we'll talk about many things. But as you know, the uh, we, we have reports we published on the the unpaid care work in the state of Utah, as well as, you know, matching that to the United States. And we do know that there are, um, you know, that we report, women report more unpaid care work hours in the state of Utah than other states. Well, and this to me, Susan, is the biggest question I have with all of this data I've looked over about how many women are leaving the workforce is, does this just still speak to an inequality in our homes that are we're experiencing? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I do need to say it's not just Utah, but uh, what happens in the state of Utah is we, we actually mirror some of the challenges that are around the United States, but also other parts of the world, right? Uh, when we publish, I published lots of global work and looked at different countries and this, many of the sim- similar issues. But in Utah, we take many of those issues and we exaggerate it. Your listeners can't see my hands, but I <laughs> exaggerating my hands. So, you know, everybody has a wage gap. We have more of a wage gap. Um, Everyone has, uh, you know, most states and and countries have more of an unpaid care work gap. We do see more in the state of Utah. So we do, um, it would be great to get data here, but we do see some of the trends. We just see them more deeply here in the state of Utah. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, And I guess I just wonder, you know, People are being laid off, men and women, and, and but you mentioned some of those um, industries, the healthcare industry, the hospitality industry, the industries that are being harder hit. But I just think about like, okay, in my own home, my husband and I are both working from home, but yet, why is it that women often leave the workforce when a child care situation is involved? It is a great question. That's an age-old question, right? And that comes from, I always talk about two, two elements. One is internal, some of our internal struggles and decisions we make internally. And that a lot of that comes from socialization, right? And then some of the external, the social norms and the social barriers that are there. But we as women, let me start with the first one. But we as women, uh, we're socialized to do that. And and in my religion, I mean, and, and I actually feel like, I mean, I, I bore my children, I nursed my children, I, I watched my mother clean the house, I have higher standards of cleaning than my husband, so even when he cleans, I'll clean a little bit after him. I'm getting better on that, by the way. Not I don't have myself. that gene, though, Susan. <laughs> I don't. That's not how my house operates, by the way. <laughs> So, so, you know, in most marriages, I, I would say most, and I'm not talking just Utah, but, but in the data around, women tend to pick up those duties. We tend to multitask and do, we're used to that. In fact, the research on, uh, you might have seen the, the study on, uh, from Qualtrics and uh, Board List. They did a study a few months ago that actually men are getting a lot more promotions during this time and women are not. And, but men actually said they were feeling a little more stressed than women. And it made me smile because women are used to 
what we call integrating life and work all at the same time. And we balance and we move, you know, we're driving a kid, we're doing this and that, <laughs> we're putting the dinner in the oven or whatever. Um, but men are not used to that. So they compartmentalize while we integrate and most of not everybody, as you know, Lindsay, not everybody. But so men, when they're not, when they're not able to compartmentalize, because that's just the, what they've been able to do, feel a, a bit more stress in different ways. But we know that, that women are multitasking and doing so many more things. And I have to say, though, there are some great men out there who are really pitching in to do, um, do some of this homeschooling and, and so forth. But I can't remember the numbers. The same report that came out the last couple of weeks said, I think it was about 70% of men felt like they were doing equal work in the home with their female partner. And only like 40% of women said that. Oh, that's interesting, Isn't right? that hilarious? Susan Madsen, director of the Utah Women and Leadership Project at the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. More with her and Emily Bell McCormick when we come back on The Mom Show. You've joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. We're talking about this concept of the pink recession, as I've heard it called, also called the she session. It's basically this phenomenon that is happening because of COVID, where women are leaving the workforce in staggering numbers and there are several reasons why this is happening, and we're discussing several of them today. I'm joined by Susan Madsen, the director of the Utah Women and Leadership Project at the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. Also by Emily Bell McCormick. She is with the Utah Policy Project, working on policy uh, that helps address some of these issues in the state of Utah. Ladies, thank you for being here. Um, Susan, let me come back to you. When we finished our last segment, we were talking about some of the things that women report that they're struggling with the most during the pandemic. I have my own list, but will you share with me what some of those things are? Yes, and a recent report out of McKinsey and Company in partnership with Lean In is where I'm getting some of this data, women in the work workplace. Um, and it's just a recent report. And they actually had two lists that I found incredibly interesting. One of them is the six biggest challenges, COVID-related challenges for women related to the workforce. And then a second are the factors women consider when thinking about leaving. So let's talk about that first one for a minute. The number one, first of all, in the last segment, you mentioned burnout. And, and that triggered me thinking about this list because that was number two. So women say the challenges for them, number one, anxiety over layoffs or, or furloughs. So that, that, um, Oftentimes people will say, well, maybe she doesn't need to work or whatever. Most of the, the women who work really are supporting families and, and really need to be working. So that stress over job insecurity is number one. Burnout is number two. All of that, you know, dealing with the, the kids and the homework and the situation. And then they're not able to play, go over to the neighbors. I'm thinking about your, your kids, Lindsay, maybe. Um, and then three is mental health. So some people, I think in past years, we've shifted that mental health to the side saying, oh, that's only a few people. But these days, when you talk about mental health, it really, we're talking about all of this, right? Stress is part of mental health, but anxiety, of course, and 
and depression and those kinds of things, which we know in our environment today and society in general, that more people are experiencing those. Uh, that's number three. And number four, if you want to guess, no, I won't make you guess, Lindsay, is, and I'm surprised this was not one, number one, but number four is child care and home schooling responsibilities. Uh, five is the physical and mental health of others, our loved ones. So that's it. And then six is just the, the of course, financial insecurity with jobs and where things are, are moving. So those are, you know, those, I don't know if those are your experiences, Lindsay, but those are, you know, what the research says. But as I've been talking to women around the state on Zoom, <laughs> mostly are presenting and having questions, that really aligns with what I'm hearing here in Utah. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. And these, um, the, you know, the, these things you listed, stress, burnout, mental health, child care, these are not women-specific problems. But it's interesting to me that women reported having all of them because, you know, when the pandemic hit in my own family, my anecdotal story is that we chose not to bring our nanny back into the house. And I'm privileged enough to be able to have someone I can bring into the house and care for my children while I um, work. And... Um, but we decided that wasn't safe. And so, um, it's, it's just like this huge stress on like, I mean, it's stress on both parents, but I guess I'm just trying to figure out why this is impacting women so disproportionately. We just, uh, as women general, generally feel just greater responsibility for the most part. And it doesn't matter where you live, what country you're in, what religion you are in. Uh, we might feel it a little stronger in some ways here in Utah because of our culture. But I will say that the research is quite clear. It's, it's pretty much everybody. It's, it's across incomes, cultures, you know, uh, just a different race. And, and those kinds of things. And um, so we do feel it more as women. Um, we just do. Yeah, absolutely. Emily, let me bring you in. Emily Bell McCormick is with the Policy Project, working on policy that um, the state of Utah might do to be able to uh, help some of these women who are leaving the workforce in astronomical numbers. Emily, what are your thoughts here on maybe why women are leaving and also what can be done about it? You know, I read recently there was a woman who was taking care of animals and that was her profession. She was in an article and and she talks about there's actually a quote that says, if the choice is between continuing to take care of animals and taking care of my daughter, I have to choose my daughter. And that in that moment, it summed up what I've heard from so many friends, so many people that I work with is just, gosh, yeah, this business meeting is important to me but my child is struggling. You know, my child is homeschooled. My child is, has a need. And, and you always, in the moment like that, when you're choosing between a meeting and a child, you're going to choose your child. That's just how we're built. And that's how we're meant to be built. And I think there are a couple of things that play. I mean, first of all, there's obviously a global pandemic. This is not small sauce here. We are dealing with something massive and there are going to be lifestyle changes because there is a real crisis, right? That this is real, and there are going to be costs to this. And and um, why these costs have fallen mostly on women is probably because of what Dr. Madsen has said. You know, talking about um, 
that women tend to have that responsibility culturally and inside of just that piece of us that drives it. But, you know, as I've looked around at uh, uh, my community and the people that I know, you know, you've got so many stories out there there and and we've got to keep women's voices in the workplace and i'm thinking about today just even prepping for this my own personal story i am thinking oh i've got these three extra articles i need to read about blah, blah, blah. you know my list of all these to do's and the reality was all oh, my sons couldn't get onto his log onto a spanish class so i'm fixing that my sister has a work meeting she has her baby home because she doesn't have daycare right now and so i've got to run over help her out you know it's it's this it's the beautiful thing that often happens with women is that we're so interconnected. We value each other. We wanted to care for each other. But in reality, what does that do? Well, that's my four hours this morning. You know, that, that is the time in the morning. And so you're left making a choice. You know, how do I handle this? Do I choose work over family? And is there a way out of that? Is there a way to say I can kind of do both? because the stress is real. We feel the anxiety, we feel the stress, we feel guilty about letting home duties go, childcare duties go, but we also feel guilty or, or um, depressed or sad if, when we let some of our professional aspirations and or hopes, dreams, hobbies, anything like that go as well. Yeah, Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project and Susan Madsen, Director of the Utah Women and Leadership Project at the John M. Huntsman School of Business. Uh, we'll continue our conversation with these two fantastic women when we come back on The Mom Show. It's the toughest, most important job in the world. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning. And then someone hands you a baby. This is The Mom Show. It's where moms come to learn and share. Our host is Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back into The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us, having a fascinating conversation today about what's happening because of the pandemic. Have you heard that women are leaving the workforce in astronomical numbers? And we're talking about some of the reasons why today. I've heard this dubbed as the pink recession or the she session. All of those are kind of kitschy terms for the fact that this is highlighting a real problem in our society. So we're talking about that today. Uh, joining me, Susan Madsen, excuse me, Dr. Susan Madsen. Uh, she is with the Women in Leadership Project at the uh, John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. And then Emily Bell McCormick is with the Utah Policy Project, working and advocating for policies that uh, help address some of these problems here in Utah. So uh, ladies, thank you again for joining me. And now, Susan, when when we talk about this she session, can you run through again uh, some of the numbers on how many women are leaving the workforce and predominantly why? So um, first of all, I, I did want to mention that I did, did have a recent editorial and the na- the the title of it was Nothing Pretty About the Pink Recession. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> I thought that title was kind of catchy. Um, so yeah, so many, um, so many women, 2.2 million women have left the workforce since the pandemic um, started in in March and I keep saying it's six months but it's like nine months now <laughs> it's it's really moved along but even just in September 1.1 million workers left the workforce and of that group uh, 
8,065, so four times more than the rate of men. And so, uh, you know, there's so many reasons that women are leaving or considering leaving the workforce. Um, And I did want to give some data. During COVID-19, mothers, this is the United States data. We don't have Utah data specifically. Mothers are more than three times as likely as fathers to be responsible for most of the housework and caregiving. In fact, they're 1.5 times more likely than fathers to spend an extra three or more hours a day on housework and childcare, which is about 20 hours a week or half of a full-time job. So I think that is, is fascinating. That's that homeschooling and childcare is one of the biggest reasons that, that women have worked but also the report talks about many reasons that women are thinking about leaving the workforce today. And we can talk about that when, when you're ready for that. Yeah, well, and, and you mentioned that in September alone, 865,000 women left the workforce. It's no coincidence that that's the same month school starts, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. And it's not just having the kids at home. That is one piece of it. But actually trying to keep your children engaged in their schooling, you know, having, you know, getting their homework and assignments and so forth, or getting them out the door, planning that they have school and then having the school close again because of outbreaks, that inconsistency can add add stress. I remember years ago when my kids were little, just, uh, just, you know, needing to go into the university to teach. And then one of my kids would be sick. And that doesn't that as a mother, just, it just stresses. There's such intensity within you when that, when you need to do something, you really do. And, um, and you feel that, back and forth with your kid even if they're older like 12 and 13 if they're really not feeling good you don't want to go but it's a there's tension yeah absolutely and talk to me susan about the cost to the economy when women leave the workforce i don't have the exact numbers but there's reports out there um that that talk in the the millions, if not pushing the billions of dollars, that really does impact uh, families and the workforce and the, the what's going on, you know, in business and so forth. So, um, and 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 we are are doing better in Utah than many states. I have to say, in fact, we're rebounding. You know, our unemployment is going down a little bit, which means that there's more need for our employees again. There is a need for women to be working. Uh, even more men part-time or so forth. So we need to figure this out a little bit more. <laughs> and and um, the pandemic is still going to be going for a while. So we have some time to figure it out, right? Yeah. And I, I would love each of you to share. And Susan, you did this in your op-ed that I loved. Some of the solutions to this. Because for years, it feels like we have pushed for businesses to be more family friendly. We've pushed for maternity and paternity leave. It's like they expect us to work like we don't have families and have families like we don't work. Like, especially, and the pandemic is just highlighting that, right? So what can businesses do to to help more family friendly policies? 
I love this question because we just published a brief this week um, on we the brief is called flexible and family friendly policies at Utah's best places to work. So what we did was to uh, get a list of all the companies in Utah that were on best places to work lists. We took about four different lists and we ended up with 185 companies and we contacted all of them. My, my wonderful peer, Robin Scribner, did all the heavy, heavy lifting on this. Um, and what we wanted to do was figure out what they're doing what some of the best companies are doing and people want to work at those companies. And of course it's during the pandemic. So flexibility was the number one flex remote work and flexibility policies. 92% of companies were doing that. I will tell you when I moved here 19 years ago from Minnesota, we were decades behind Minnesota in remote and flexible work and we still have been, but now I think we're catching up, right? So that one, but second is flexibility with work hours, just the work hours. Although in one of the other reports that stress women are considering leaving the workforce because they feel like they have to be on all the time now because of the flexibility. They're like, I should be checking email at night or first thing in the morning or whatever. So that has pros and cons. And then we hit the the 75% of companies are offering paid maternity leave, um, part-time roles, paid paternity leave. These are, these are different percentages. Um, you know, just transitions back to work after maternity leave, uh, compressed workforce, you know, work, um, work week and different things. So there really are quite a few strategies that companies, I have more, if anybody's interested in this report, utwomen.org, have more suggestions here. But uh, the companies are saying that, um, with these top companies are saying that if they do family-friendly policies and flexibility policies, 95% of them said they believe their employees are more satisfied. And, and uh, guess what? Actually, more satisfaction equals more productivity. And actually, guess what? More and, productivity equals more money. <laughs> and actually, 65% of them feel like that these companies feel like their productivity has actually increased because of these policies. Um, so that's, that's, there's, there's many other suggestions that can be made, but, but what we know from our research and other research research is that it really does matter. And it makes a difference to the companies. They'll retain employees. They'll, they'll have top performers, more productivity and so forth. Well, we also, I'm thinking about this question that you asked at the beginning, Lindsay, about the cost, you know, how are we, how's the economy doing without women? And it, that is such a compounded problem, right? Because we can look at the numbers, but we're also just looking at the thought leadership in companies, in government, in communities. And we have to, we know that we have to have women as piece of that puzzle, that companies do better, that communities do better. Everything like that does better when women are a part of that, right? Same with men. We can't lose men's voices either. We need both voices to accurately move society forward and have good things happen. And I'll bring up an example that we've talked about before on the show, but um, when it comes to policy and, and, and government and some of these issues, um, uh, we've been working on one that's kind of recent in new, new menstrual equity, which is basically menstruation has never been legislated around, right? Every single planet 
menstruates, but there has not been legislation surrounding this. So there has been uh, legislation surrounding men's health issues, right? So we have Rogaine if they lose their hair, we have Viagra if they have other issues. You know, we've got like, all of this has been legislated for. And this one massive thing that women cannot control has never been legislated for. And part of that is just, it, it wasn't, you know, it's not that anyone is trying to condemn women or people don't love women or anything like that. It's just that those voices weren't there to say, oh, hey, by the way, I just, just one sec, I got to tell you something. I don't forget this need, right? And I laugh sometimes about that. Abigail Adams, um, uh, her husband was John Adams. And he says, or she says in a letter to him, remember the women, you know, he's going to the con Continental Congress and she just says like, please don't do what our ancestors did, treat the ladies nicely, you know? And, and I think about that sometimes and think about that conflict that we feel as women in these moments where we do absolutely have a duty to our families. That's it. We feel it because it's real. We actually do, right? We, we, in most cases, we've chosen to bring children here or we've chosen to, you know, or we have sisters or parents or what, or brothers, you know, people that we feel tied to and that's what makes life worth living but but at the same time as soon as we become really insular and focus exclusively on that then we forget our duty to our larger community and, and that some of that rests on our shoulders as well and then Lindsay, I was going to comment back to your original question. It's it's really a thoughtful question. I appreciate it. And that is what can we do, right? And so we've talked more about what maybe we can do as individuals or in our homes. But then my last set of comments, and I loved your comments, Emily, too, was really what can companies do? But then Emily and I both do work you know, with public policy and trying to influence public policy. And so you need for all of these issues, they're so complex that you need families to work on it, you need communities, you need businesses, and you need some public policy. And those are all important. One of the things that we have have worked on and brought up for a number of years is some public policy around child care. But in Utah, really specifically, that is looked like, and I'm putting quote marks up in the air here, as a private matter, not a public matter. But what we know from the research in other states and countries, it's really, I mean, it, part of it could be a pr private, but it's a public issue. It is a very public issue. Yet we haven't in Utah been able to really move much forward in terms of, because legislators are saying, well, that is something families should take care of. But there's an assumption with many of these things that there's a traditional home, there's traditional two parents in that home, a man and a woman, and, and there's a lot of assumptions with that. Well, and also we view childcare as a woman's job to figure out. And one, women aren't in the room making those decisions. And two, if men, I guess if more people viewed childcare as a family solution and a societal solution, then we might have some policies made around it because it would be top of mind for them. Like, and, and I wonder if we see this more in Utah. You mentioned that we do have a lot of women in the workforce, but where many men who maybe go to work have women who want to and love staying home and there's nothing wrong with that. And so it's just not on their radar that childcare is a need because they have a woman at home who's doing it. But for, like you said, families that are, choosing differently or both spouses want to work, then there's a need there. 
And we have a lot of single mothers who run homes, right? Absolutely. Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah Women and Leadership Project and Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project. We'll talk more with these women when we come back on The Mom Show. Back inside The Mom Show. Dads are welcome, but moms come here to be heard. We're with Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back into the Mom Show. Thank you for joining us today. I've been having a lovely conversation with my two guests, Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women and Leadership Project at the John M. Huntsman School of Business, and Emily Bell McCormick of the Policy Project, working on uh, policy and uh, advocating for, uh, specifically in this context, women-friendly policies. Um, Emily, let me start with you in this segment. We've been talking about this pink recession, namely that women are leaving the workforce in astronomical numbers because of the pandemic. We've talked about how some of the women-centric industries like healthcare and hospitality, education have been hard hit. Um, Adding insult to injury, those industries are laying people off, laying women off more than men, I should say. And then... um, you know, on top of that, the childcare issue where our kids are all home from school and many women feel that it's their responsibility and duty to take care of their kids in that regard. And I would also offer that, you know, a lot of times women in these industries make less than men. And so in a household where the wife makes less than the husband, the person who's going to leave their job is the person who doesn't make as much money, especially if she works part time too, while her husband's um, you know, uh, job supports the family. And that frustrates me because it's like saying that whoever makes the most money matters the most and, and their career aspirations and their job and their interests matters more. And so anyways, I'm a little bit off on a tangent here, but that, those are some of the things that frustrate me. <laughs> They're real frustrations. Yeah, Emily, <laughs> talk to me about what policies being worked on in Utah to address some of this. You know, well, specifically, just what you were talking about is one of the biggest issues that we have here. And Dr. Madsen mentioned this a little earlier, but just the pay wage gap. You know, we talk about the nation has a problem here. Women tend to earn about 80 cents on the dollar. Um, But in Utah, that's more like 70 cents. Um, And so one of the things that we need to work on, it reflects back on what you said, Lindsay, which is the lower wage earner often is the one to stay at home. Well, often it's like a complicated issue, right? It's round robin on this one because women earn less in Utah than men do for a comparable job. So one of the pieces of legislation that we're really interested in here is comparable pay for comparable work. Um, And that would just help equalize, you know, we're looking at the years of experience, considering several factors and, and making sure that we have employers more committed to to have that happening. Interestingly, a few little ditties about this, we can go more in depth later, Um, but but some of the things, I've spoken with a few colleagues at different, uh, actually large companies in the state of Utah recently about this and talked to them about, you know, one of the main things that happens that keeps women's wages lower is that they, we, uh, we are so private about what we earn. And that feels like that's a company policy to be private about it. But actually, the more you share what you earn, you're able to kind of see where other people on your same level are. Anyway, that is a total separate note. But that is one issue that we're trying to work on. The family-friendly policies, like Dr. Madsen mentioned, you know, increased access to daycares, flexible working arrangements, 
paid family care, those types of things. But then also looking forward, one of the big things we need to do is what's ahead, what's in the future, you know, looking forward to how do we make things more equitable entering the workforce or, or whatever profession that, you know, where, wherever you want to land in the workforce. And some of those are things like the menstrual equity that we talked about, like, uh, we know that girls aren't graduating or they're suffering, they're, they're missing more classwork. 80% of girls know someone who's missed class because she was not able to care for her period. Um, and so taking care of some of those things that will, that will by nature allow young women to grow into positions. And that's one of the biggest threats of this she session right now is that it, it's not the moment. I mean, all of us can take a year off work, right? And, and survive it. Most of us are going to be able to recoup that. The problem is if you take a year off work right when you're about to become manager, you don't make manager. Then you don't make, you know, you're missing these milestones and leadership. And then the entire, you, you know, our entire economy is missing. Uh, it has a hole, it has a gap where women should be and, and where younger women should be able to look to the older women to see how this is done and how to, you know, uh, propel yourself into a certain situation, you know, and to get yourself into management or whatever else. And so I think some of the policies that we need to consider really have to be opening those doors, you know, looking at um, victim services. This is something that uh, Dr. Madsen and I have talked about before, you know, consolidating those. If you're having threats in the home, if you're experiencing violence in the home or um, have been victim of something else, which proportionally happens more to women, um, uh, those things need to be cared for in order for you to be able to be a stable, reliable, and, and successful person at work. Yeah, really important. Dr. Madsen, let me bring you in real quick in our last minute and ask you, you just mentioned to me that you are on uh, Governor-elect Spencer Cox's transition team uh, heading into a new administration. What can we look forward to in terms of women and family-friendly policies in a new administration? I'm in a group that's that's uh, we ha we don't we haven't finished our report with with looking ahead um, yet, but we're looking at some of the policies that that Emily just mentioned. Um, so it's not official yet, but but one a couple of the things that we have been in fact I've worked with Senator Escamilla for a couple of years on uh, one that would affect the pay gap, and that is just a foundational start where you really require Utah state government to do a detailed, deep, really rigorous study of the wage gap in the state government as a starting point for, for you know, hopefully the municipalities and the counties would do it and all organizations would do that to really get that conversation going. So, so that is one thing that I think most of us agree on. A second one related to the wage gap that has come up a little bit the last couple of years, but we, anything that relates to women, it feels like to me kind of gets shut down. But the second one, many states have passed legislation requiring or saying that people or companies cannot ask your previous salary. So that has actually shown through research to uh, when you do ask that question, you do disadvantage women. So um, I, my hope is that personally that we can at least at the government level say, you know, get rid of that question and then really move forward to encourage all businesses and maybe make legislation down the road with businesses so that we just don't ask that question. That's, those two seem like really minor things, but uh, they're very evidence-based 
Um, and that's what we want in terms of the policies. We want evidence-based policymaking. And, and these things have been shown to make a difference in the state. There's many others, but I know we're running out of time. Yeah, and you're <laughs> both doing really important work. Uh, Dr. Susan Madsen with the uh, Utah Women in Leadership Project at the John M. Huntsman School of Business. Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project. Thank you, ladies, both for being here on The Mom Show.